Welcome everybody to What's the Obsession with podcast, where we try to get to the bottom of various cultural obsessions from a historical and psychological um, and um, what's like historical, psychological, literary. literary. Why are people so into the thing? Whatever the thing might be. Yes, whatever the thing might be. So what are we doing uh, today? I think today we were going to talk about, after much cajoling from you, we're talking about um, Bo Burnham's Inside. I refused to watch this program for a very long time. Like most things that Brie convinces me to watch eventually. Look at that. Disapproving. Disapproving head shake, but it happens inevitably that Bree's gonna be like, you need to watch this. And I'll say, yeah, I'll add it to my list for a solid three to five months. And then I'll consume the thing. Is add it to my list, I'm not gonna do that. Is that like a, do, should I, if, when you say I'm gonna add it to my list, do I need to accept that you might not watch it? It's, sometimes it just, with this in particular, it wasn't so much like, oh, I'll get to it eventually. It was like, I know about this piece of media and I am afraid of it and I am not going to touch it in the foreseeable future. I was like openly refusing to watch this for a while. So some some background here. Um, I have been a big fan of Bo Burnham's for a while, like since before Make Happy. So I am familiar with his particular brand of comedy that also breaks into your house in the middle of the night and like rips your heart out of your chest and like holds it up for you to, to look at. He's got always got this little way of like kind of working stuff in. So I've been familiar with it. I've been a fan for a really long time. Um, and he recently released this, I wouldn't call it comedy special. I would just call it a special uh, on Netflix called Inside. It is currently up for six Emmys. Uh, hopefully, probably when we release this, we may already know if it won. Because we're that slow at releasing things. If we're that slow at editing, it depends. Uh, but he's currently nominated for six Emmys. Uh, it was really great. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, why are you watching this? That's <laughs> that's the thing. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing here with us? Hi, but it's, it's I a, watch a lot of reviews of things I've never consumed. So that might be- Okay, that's good. So I had been a fan for a really long time and, and uh, my old roommate had gotten me into him. And so of course, as soon as it came out, I delayed it a little bit just because- you know, I think it took me a couple of weeks to watch it, but it was just, I'm familiar with like, he's going to, it's going to make me feel weird because the stuff always does. Um, and then I, I dived in and it's absolutely brilliant. It's amazing. That's why we're going to talk about it today. Uh, I, so I understand your hesitance and I mentioned my history with him because you've, you're not a fan at all, right? You've never really I, seen- So here's, okay. So here's my background. I knew his name and knew that I had seen some of his stuff. And if you tell me Bo Burnham, all I think of is like the skinny white guy who I sometimes confuse with Dimitri Martin. And that part, that part in one of his specials, which I could not name, where somebody's like, I love you. And he's like, you love the idea of me. And that's like the extent of what I know about this man. Um, that's it. But- I know about Inside to the extent of the internet loss, its absolute mind, and went into deep, dark places of generational trauma. And I was like, I'm not in a place to consume this right now. Um, so I think I straight up at some point told you, you know, like, you know what, I can't actually do that right now. I'll, I'll get back to you when I can watch this. Yeah. It's funny that that so many times when I was kind of looking 
uh, sort of in preparation for this, just sort of looking at the general feedback and comments that people were posting on Twitter and stuff and, and different reviews. And it was really hilarious to see people say, oh my God, it was so great. And then someone say, hey, I've been seeing that on Netflix. So I check it out, like in replies. And then people are like, how are you doing mentally? Are you in a good place right now? It's just a bananas way to respond to like, and people are like, uh, is this a comedy special? Why are you asking me where, how I'm doing mentally and if I'm okay to handle this? And it's like, you know, I, you feeling okay? Like you get drinking enough water? Like you've been taking your meds? Like how, how are you doing? You know? I don't, I don't, hmm. I'm not going to say it. There are, <laughs> there are things that uh, bring us back to a bad place. And this could definitely be one of those things because the way in which he presents, um, it's a musical special. I don't think we said that. He's a yeah. musical comedian. So that's, I think maybe that's why I confuse him with Dimitri Martin because he's also a musical comedian. That's a lanky white guy. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> so, um, I think we, we, we have enough lanky musician comedians. We gotta what, we've white reached this quota. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the way in which he presents it and the, uh, the setup of him being you know, trapped in this room as all of us were, um, and are, depending on what the situation is right now, who knows, <laughs> we might be locked up again, uh, is very real in a very presentational way. I'm getting academic. Ah. Talk me out of it. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, uh, <sighs> Yeah, I think one thing, I, I guess what I was thinking about was that it's, some people it does not put in a bad place at all. Some people watch it and go, what the hell's wrong with all you guys? When I watched it, it did actually put me in a bit of a spiral for a bit. And it's not because I'm like, oh my God, it was so deep. It's not that it depressed me. It made me realize I was depressed. So in the it, present tense, or like did it take you back somewhere? It that are a bit too much like an accurate mirror. And I think that if you are the particular person that it pings with you, it will ping very strongly. So if you do not have any of those things that he's shining up at you, uh, you may just watch it and go, guys, it's just chill out. It's just a comedy special. Like it's, it's whatever. It's beautiful. It's great. It's so good, but it's not like, why is everybody saying that they like had a panic attack? It's like, okay, I didn't have a panic attack at all during it, but I did get very in a weird place. And it was more, it wasn't that I was like, oh man, poor man, how are you doing? It was that I was like, it brought me forcefully back to certain things that I had been going through. So I think that's the, I feel like that's probably what's been happening to people is that it sort of taps very deeply into something. And I think that we can see that and how people have been engaging with it. Um, my friend, he, I, I don't want to take credit for this line, but he, he watched inside with me the other day and he recognizes so much of the audio down to his laugh that they have been using and pulling apart and doing on TikTok. If you are on TikTok right now, it, it's literally Bo Burnham, the app. It is. And if you don't think that you're listening to a Bo Burnham audio, yes, you are. There's a few new ones from his other specials that have been cycling through that people have been like, you know, I saw a new sound was trending and I clicked on the origin and it's Bo Burnham again. And it's like, uh, he keeps, so he, he manages to tap into this like, I don't know, that was just a ramble about that. But the point is, is he's basically taking over TikTok right now. And my friend had this term that he said, he said, basically it's been stripped uh, for parts. 
and, and he's like, every inch of it has been used. They're using the like rims, they're using the bolts on the tires, they're using the rubber that they're literally have taken it down to its core and I guess remade it and restructured it for them and, and stripped it and changed the audio. And it's just been really interesting seeing how people have engaged with it on such a personal level. And I just wonder if that ties into like how people have related to it as well. I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to watch it like. When I saw that happening on TikTok, what my immediate response was, does he hate that this is happening? Like, isn't this exactly what everything was pointing a spotlight at and like the content of it all? Um, it made me remember like when the Hunger Games movies first came out, not first came out, like as they were coming out, all of the merch and the capital themed makeup that was like <laughs> absolutely missing the point. <laughs> um, is what I felt was happening. And I didn't feel like, oh, these people. I was like, no, this is what we do when you give us something and we're like, yes, this is something I can relate to. And this is something that makes sense to me. Then we pull it apart, right? We, we take it for parts and we transform it into content again. Yeah, he, he says that in, in one part where he's like, maybe next time I'll sit on the couch and watch you next time. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a part at the end where, and it's like, did he know this is gonna happen? I mean. Some, some backstory on this is, so Bo Burnham began as a YouTube comedian. He was like 15, 16, posting kind of edgy, edgy kind of funny songs to his YouTube. Uh, a lot of them are still up, some of them are not. And uh, he started there and he went viral. He was kind of one of the first people to go viral that way on YouTube. It's really in the beginning. And then from there, he as he grew up, he became more of a comedian. He started doing com comedy tours. Uh, he put out a couple specials on Netflix. Then he retired from performing uh, because of his anxiety and he was getting panic attacks on stage and uh, he just has some mental health issues. And so uh, then he made this movie called Eighth Grade that cut follows a girl in eighth grade on her last, her last week of eighth grade. And it deals a lot with like how we relate to social media. And it has a lot of kind of commentary on like how kids engage with social media and, and how it affects their lives. And um, and then he's he went on to start on Promising Young Woman and then he released Inside. So I gave just this brief outline because I think he has a very intimate connection with um, the internet throughout his career. He's kind of always come back to like, what does it mean to us mentally? Uh, and I'm not convinced that he didn't do this intentionally. He had to have known. Like, I, I don't want to say like, you wrote some bangers. You had to have known that we would, we would rip it up, but he's not he's not just like a, a weird artist that emerged from the woods somewhere, right? And made something really resonant and he just happened to do that. It's like, this guy's like, not only has he been on the internet since he was a kid and been involved in it, he's made a movie, like a award-winning movie that's about how kids engage with the internet and how they kind of perform authenticity. And it, it has a lot of really, if you haven't seen Eighth Grade, I highly recommend it. It has like 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a, not that that means anything, but it is just genuinely a great movie, but it does touch on how kids, you know, use that. So. He knows what he's doing. And so sometimes when I look at that, I'm like, you're not, you're, he looks like a bearded mountain man that has come, <laughs> come out of re like reclusion, to, you know, seclusion to kind of like, you know what I made me think of immediately? Remember what's the painting about the woman coming out of the well to shame man? Truth, truth coming out of her well to shame <laughs> yeah. He is not truth coming out of the well to shame mankind. He's been with us with this internet culture. He knows, like, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he, I don't know. I, so that's kind of my thing is that everyone's like, oh, he would hate this. I mean, to tie on this, oh, he would hate this. He, you know, he, this is, it goes against everything he stands for. But I just, I keep thinking, I'm like, he's not like a, 
he's not a grandpa living in the woods. Like he knows probably more about technology and the social media than any of us do. I didn't, mm, I had the first part of the reaction and not the second one. And it's probably to do a lot with, I, I don't follow this person in particular. I follow a lot of people. He's not one of them. And my instinct was, which he calls himself out for, right? It's he's coming in with wisdom and self-reflection and and like holding up a mirror to society. We live in a society and all this crap. Um, and I don't think it's coming from any kind of negative place. And it's a beautiful piece of art. I just think that I probably wasn't alone in that gut reaction of feeling a little bit shamed by all of it, by the mirror. Right, we feel guilt and shame of like, oh, I am this person who craves this content, who judges quickly, who lives on the social media feed of everything, um, of judgment and consumption and all that that does to us. And it's not because he's somebody who's disconnected from all this, but because he's been here since the beginning and it's just like the tiniest bit older, the tiniest, tiniest bit older. And two years in our generation means so much that I felt like here comes this elder, right? <laughs> to tell us your depression is because of all of this. Did you not figure it out earlier? Um, so I did feel some negative things, not while watching it, but after letting it simmer for a while. While watching, I was just like, that's a straight banger. These are good songs. Uh, They're so good. They're like, yeah. the thing is, he's not to sidetrack and get back on that. He's put literal, he, he's, he's drugged them. There's something in them that they are way too catchy and, and addictive. I'm, I think he's a good musician is what you're trying to get at. He's like, I, yeah, but like, I've heard good, I've heard good music and not, I've heard a good album before and not woken up every day with like, feeling like shit. Like every day in my head that the song, it is like, geez, get out of there. And it, they're like earworms. You know what it is? Well, there's good music and there's earworms. I think that part of that has to be because he's not a musician that's, I my head keeps comparing him to Hosier, which is a very strange comparison to make. But you keep talking about like coming out of the woods and <laughs> making us feel things. And yeah. that's what Hosier does, right? We see this man. Who is oh, it? I'm coming out of the well to shame mankind. <laughs> And Hosier is just as millennial as all of us, right? As everybody in this conversation. But there is this sense of etherealness to him and he's coming from outside to gift us poetry and sapphic vibes and leave. And and Bo Burnham is not doing that. He has given me some sapphic, but I don't know. There's some- No, he is, but he's uh, he's not an external person. He's more like- he was with us and then he went underground and got gritty and came back out and is like, this is what I've learned about our truth, which is why there's more negative feelings in that, in that art personally than there is in something like Cozier's like metaphors and things like that. Um, and they're both calling out things in society, but one feels so much more like a personal call out. <laughs> um, and then there's also the fact that you're talking about how catchy it is and how earwormy his music is. And I think it's because he doesn't come from, I'm a musician, he's an internet star, right? Whatever that has meant all these years. So the way I would imagine he understands art and music is virality, right? So maybe the way that he composes 
intrinsically includes what's going to stick in your brain like a barnacle. I think one thing I saw people pointing out and they were getting kind of annoyed about where they were like, oh, wow, like the song actually sounds kind of familiar. This hook sounds a bit like this other country song. And I was like, yeah, it also sounds like this country song. It sounds like this one. And they're like, this sounds just like this one Ariana Grande song. Like they're listening to sex and, uh, FaceTiming with my mom tonight. And I was like, yeah, it also sounds like this song. There's like three other songs, but it, it, he definitely borrows from it. And it's like, it's it's not that it's original. It's that a lot of music uses the same kind of, elements repackaged it's not uncommon it's not people stealing from each other it's just like there's a lot of songs that this musician makes that sounds like this what's that commonality and I think he's always been really good at like not Weird Al although it's funny that he compared himself to Weird Al but like it's almost his songs are good but they are also parodies of the genres that they are in and mm -hmm. so they managed to like distill so like I think that funny feeling is is like somebody took a folk song about kind of the end of the world and then like put it on a stove and let it simmer for like an hour. So they like distilled it down to like its most concentrated form. So it's like, yeah, it sounds familiar. He's, he's basically taken things that are used in a lot of this kind of stuff and distilled it. And that distilled nature is really concentrated. And so that could be why it's just going straight into our brain because it's like, this is pop music concentrated or this is like, you know, this is an existential bop concentrated. This is disco synth yeah. and it's like so refined and just stripped to its parts that I think it's just straight in there. And it's because he's probably, uh, he's he's sort of, he's, he's not just, he's not, not that he's not being earnest, but he's not just creating an album from just a place of like, I want to create good music. He's specifically using it as social commentary. I think it's a difference. Like it's a, it's a commentary on the genre of music that he's making. So he's, he has more leeway to like, I don't know, inject it with straight crack. I don't know what to say. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I think I'm done listening to it. And then I'll just like hear it. And I'm like, I, I could listen to this song and repeat for like an hour. And it's just like, sometimes just like one line that it just like torments you for a while. <clears throat> That's the thing. I see it's going to come off. Like I really didn't enjoy this. And I really, I really did. It's really good. And it really touches me. I think that the experience of it is when you eat something and it's delicious, but it's got a bitterness to it that stays in your mouth. That's, that was my experience of watching that special is I watched it. It was a bop. I was immediately thinking of like, okay, all these memes make sense now, but then you're in your car and it's tormenting you. You're going to buy something on Amazon and you're like, I'm a piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit like his his mm, expressions of self-loathing that I don't think are, or I hope are not how he currently feels, but is what is coming off in his music. His expressions of don't we all suck a little bit um, are very sticky in the same way that the music is sticky. Another point that I do want to touch on is the performance aspect of it. Uh, and do you think that this is worth us even discussing? Because when he's an, he's an artist, he's a, he's a, He's an actor, uh, it's clearly a performance piece. There's a lot of debate sort of online about like the authenticity of it. And I have some pretty strong feelings about that regardless. Um, I mean, I, I think, think you've you know, said this, so I, this I, don't wanna, I don't wanna steal it from you because you've said it before, but I don't think it has to be real in that moment to be authentic. Yeah. I think there's like art, art doesn't have to be real to be honest. Yes, but it's not just that. I don't, I don't think that those are not his experiences. I don't think that what we're seeing is not how he felt. 
it is an artistic expression of what probably looked like a young guy unable to get out of bed. Obviously, when he was feeling the emotions he's singing about, he was probably looking like the couch potato that we've all been at some point in and out of the panini. <laughs> but um, I don't think that that makes... I don't think the fact that he's hopefully all my best vibes recovered from some of that you know, mental health and emotional turmoil to be able to put words to what that felt like and express it so that we can be like, yummy yeah, too. But I think if we all think back to whatever those songs or those jokes are reminding us of, um, we weren't standing on soapboxes or having deep discussions. We were like probably on our last clean bowl eating cereal for the fifth night in a row. Um, so I think that it is authentically him being able to express what it feels like to be alive right now in our generation um, without the block of being in that, in that, in the middle of it, right? Like you can't say those things when you're in the middle of it, but when you come out of the well or the cave or whatever it might be, and you express it, um, if what you're saying is that some people are saying it's performative or fake, like, yes, he's an actor. <laughs> he's yeah. performing. Um, but I think that he's performing something absolutely genuine, not just to himself, but like, I maybe my circle of friends is really small, but I don't know anybody that hasn't been where he's expressing. Yeah. I think it's really well said. I think that the... But there's just been this kind of, not backlash, very mini, very tiny backlash, but tiny lash, whatever, whatever we call it, of people sort oh, of getting upset when they're like, oh, I guess some of this was staged or they find out that, you know, oh, well, he, he did at the time, like he lives with his girlfriend and his dogs. Like, so he's not hundred percent alone the whole time. This was clearly that. And it's like, I never had a problem with that because um, we've did seen he, his, wait, that did he think recording they thought he left in the, they thought he lived in the shed. Like for real? Yes. Yes. Pe people thought he did. And the thing is, if you've been a fan of his, if you watch Make Happy, Make Happy is a really good, uh, his previous comedy special, it ends where Inside starts. It ends oh. in that building. He goes off stage. He basically has kind of a mini breakdown on stage to music like he does. It's his brand. And, and he's basically like, I hope you're happy. He drops the mic and he goes off stage and it sort of does this really seamless cut to him being in the room of Inside. And he says, oh, good, we're alone now. And he plays this song about trying to get happy again. So it's a song about, you know, are you like, he's like, you know, are you happy? I'm going to do a questionnaire, like on a scale of one to zero. It's, it's a really kind of sad, beautiful song. And he plays the song and he's in the room of inside. He's in that building. And then he, at the end of the song, he's like, you know, I'm going to try and get happy, uh, all this stuff. And then he leaves and you see him go, you see the yard, you see that he's leaving a space that there's obviously a building next to it, that it's clearly just a recording shed and his girlfriend meets him with their dog. Um, so if you've seen his stuff before, I mean, maybe people didn't notice that, that it was the same, it was the same building, you know, so you see that continuity. So you know that it's like just outside. I didn't know that was a Bo Burnham expanded universe. Um, that's good. Yes, the, <laughs> the Bo Burnham cinematic universe. The fact It that also it adds there, a layer like, to that line of like, look who's inside again, because it's the same yeah. place. Um, I, I love that. I love that layer because now it's like when you, and I was talking about like recovering or getting better, but depression is just like that. Like eventually at some point you're going to be inside again. <laughs> um, and it's a matter of like remembering how you got out in the first place. 
that is actually lovely but i don't understand how people thought that he a millionaire lived in a four by four there was actually a a like a review that like one of the few rotten reviews of it that was the critique that they were like how honest is he being and that he's trying to make us think that he's living and that well one they were like oh he's trying to make us feel sorry for him because of all this stuff and they were like oh and it's not authentic and i'm like when he never claimed it was documentary and two just because he has money and he's a performer doesn't mean he doesn't have mental illness and his mental his mental health has been widely documented he has talked about it aggressively like he there are many you can go on youtube and find any number of interviews where he is talking very frankly about the issues that he struggled with having a girlfriend and a dog in a house does not mean you don't struggle with mental illness which is so insulting the fact that i was like i'm reading this in an actual publication with i'm going to be frank the person writing this i promise you you are pretty comfortable just given i don't want to out the publication but like it was one of those bigger publications that have subscribers. I was like, you were paid for this piece. You are not like a college student writing this. I promise that you are also living very comfortably. Are you trying to tell me that you've never once this whole year gotten depressed? Like, it's just bananas to me. But so people were like, oh, it's not a documentary. He's lying. Like, he's really just, he's comfortably living in LA. And I'm like. So they're like conflating the fact that he's like physically comfortable with his mental state. I mean, I was surprised that he was even apparently probably like his home space, like probably like a, a back house or a shed or something he has and not like a studio that he was going to. No, every it's, so often. It's, in his, it's like a, it's like his garage. It's, it's like, like a garage. Room. Right. So I'm like, he just carved out the space the way that people with privilege like us can do of like having a recording space to externalize what it feels like. I, I, I don't know if I was being too hoity-toity, but I was like, okay, so this room is his mind. I just, that was my immediate reaction. Like this room is the representation of where he's living right now, you know? And sometimes it's really empty and sometimes it's like a disco and sometimes it's a hot mess. Most of the time it's a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. You can see like the cables and his bowls of food and stuff. And um, like his mind palace is a shed in the back of his house. <laughs> um, I think that it's, disingenuous and clickbaity to be like oh he's lying to us because he performed <laughs> he's, a, he's a performer <laughs> like, like what like, i don't that the question doesn't compute like no i'm just i'm that's not even discussed that that's just silly. well i think what it is is that people were were thinking that okay if that isn't true then he wasn't really struggling with the things that he was outlining but the thing but what if he wasn't but i think the reason why people connected with it so much was it was very obvious that it was coming from a place of truth there were things <laughs> that he did that he pointed out or like little subtle aspects that people have like I, when I was looking on reddit looking for reviews of this people would have different kind of mental you know you know different kind of mental health groups on, on reddit people commented but like this was a really subtle note that like I don't know if people who didn't suffer from this would have noticed that like that this is like like if you suffer from panic attacks, this is kind of exactly how they come on. Or if you do that, like there were little subtle things that were like, of course, I think people connected to the truth of that. And I think you said something earlier too, that's right, that I don't think you can articulate that truth when you're in it. You can't. So of course he had to have been somewhat out of it or removed. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to be in this sort of horrible depressive state and accurately communicate what you're going through. You kind of have to have people sort of coming out of it to describe what just happened to them in order to accurately convey you know, just, just like, I think like 
you know, to go back to eighth grade, is it a movie eighth grade? I don't think a middle schooler could accurately make a movie about eighth grade. You kind of need somebody who's, right? Someone who has a perspective that can look back on it. And that doesn't mean that it's not truthful. I also think that, and I'm forgetting, there's a song or a part of a song, which is about him, like, just being a white guy, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of his I have strong feelings that, that I have strong feelings that that was one of the last things he input into the, into the whole special because it feels like a disclaimer at the top of a fanfic <laughs> not that it wasn't a good jam they all were but it feels like he saw what he had made and said people are going to say I'm feeling sorry for myself must call myself out for being a white guy which fair people would have, and people are, regardless of whether or not he included yeah. that. Um, but what I meant to say with all that is that I think the fact that he's conscientious about how he put this together means that he is reflecting on where he was and that he's not currently there. And I have seen art made by people in the midst of their depression or their mental illness. And it's not that that is untruthful, it's just, so much harder to understand for people that aren't also in the midst of it. I don't know if I'm explaining myself, but if you make art that is about the chaos of like the experience while you're in it, it's very hard for anybody who has been able to step into the light a little bit to even remember what that was like. There's mm -hmm. points of mental illness and there's points of depression that are near, if not completely dissociative. So if he was in the middle of it, it wouldn't look like that. And it wouldn't be relatable to that many people. Yeah, I think it would have been way too specific. I think it would have been way too, um, way too laser focused on his own, his own battle. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, so, so that, that's the thing, that there's a bit of a thing about it not being genuine. And I actually wanna get this out here uh, because I just love this term that I was thinking about is the idea that I looked at it as sort of like Schrodinger's mental breakdown, that <laughs> he is both having a breakdown and not having a breakdown. They are both true at the same time and they are both happening and that that's totally fine. We do not have to parse that out. Um, but I think even now to listen to your description, I, I am leaning more towards like, okay, well, he ha it was that and now he's out of that. But I don't think anyone is arguing that the breakdown didn't happen at all. I think that's the thing. So people are arguing that he literally, that it never happened. Whereas for me, I'm just like, was he currently going through it? Or is it something he'd gone through past? But okay, but, like, but asterisk, because I, I kind of looked through it in before, but what if he didn't? What if he never experienced this? What if he's always been happy? I think how does that affect possible. it? How does that affect the art? Like, how does that affect, if I it's the same product, if, if it looks exactly and sounds exactly as it does right now, and we find out somebody pulls the curtain back and he's never had a mental illness in his life, what difference does it make? I don't think it does at all because I think, again, coming back to just it's particularly, I think his particular strength as an artist is he's really good at listening and articulating. Again, coming back to eighth grade, he got asked this a lot. If you haven't seen it, I keep referencing it. It's such a great movie, but a lot of questions he got asked in, in, on, in on awards circuits and uh, festivals and stuff where people were like, I watched this movie, like women, like we were like, I watched this movie and I don't believe a man wrote this. How did a man write such a beautiful, like revealing movie about an eighth grade girl that is so sensitive and has so many elements that I remember from my childhood. And he was just like, I 
listened to people. He said, kids are putting their lives out there. I listened to them. I watched the videos that kids make. I talked to women in my life. I talked to other, to eighth graders when I was working on it to make sure it felt true. He was able to articulate in that sense. And I think that, that the movie feel, the movie feels honestly like it, it, it it's mortifying. It's way, it's way too personal. It is so exactly my eighth grade experience, but he didn't, he was never an eighth grade girl. He was never a girl and he was never an eighth grade and he was never an eighth grade girl now. He articulated that very accurately and very emotionally and very personally. I don't have any issue squaring that where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not in denial about the fact that Bo Burnham was an eighth grade girl. He still was able to make this piece of art that felt very true and honest about it. And it has to do with the fact of like an artist is interpreting and showing us the world in a certain way. So I think that it's maybe harder for people who haven't personally experienced it or easier actually now that I think about it. Maybe he was the best one to articulate that uh, because of his sort of distance from the source material. So I don't know. Uh, uh, answer your question, no, it wouldn't affect it at all. Uh, even though we, we know that he has suffered from, from, from mental illness and stuff. I'm just saying, given his past work, if he somehow came out and said he was happy, I would just be like, yeah. Yeah. What about for you? I No, it wouldn't affect it at all. I We want to... Even though Bo is kind of like the face of like, don't do parasocial relationships. He knows that they're inevitable, I think. I think he's talked about it before. It's just, it's just an inevitability of the lives and, that we have now is that you will form parasocial relationships and the kind of work he puts out just produces them, right? Um, but I don't think that it's his responsibility to have been depressed to talk about depression. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think if it rings true, if it helps us talk about it, if it if it's if it's relatable, it matters whether or not he experienced. It. I don't think he owes us having been depressed um, or anxious or anything like that. It's not something that everybody's going to agree on. It's not something that generationally we're okay with because we grew up with don't talk about it if it didn't happen to you um sometimes that's valid and sometimes it's really not and i don't i don't know that i don't know that you have to have experienced it to so accurately describe it it had to have been close to you though so I would say if, 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 it didn't, if he didn't go through these things, then he probably saw somebody experience them. But at the same time, I feel like he's been open book enough that we don't doubt that. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't yeah, think it I mean, matters. <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think we're just speculating at some, about somebody's mental health and it doesn't yeah, matter. That's the thing. We, we are, and I think the only other kind of, I guess, clue we have to that is he did do some interviews while he was making Inside. So if there, people don't know about them, but you should look it up. It's, uh, he was on the Happy Sad Confused podcast, and he did a couple promo interviews for Promising Young Woman while he was making Inside that were came out like January, December. And um, it's very clear in those interviews that he was not doing too well, and he was pretty open about that. So that's, you know, I remember listening to that, and he was just very open about like, I'm not really handling it the best. I am doing my best. I'm trying to keep busy and I'm struggling with a lot of things that, you know, and he was pretty kind of open about it, but he seemed like, you know, pretty aware that he was opening, like that he was dealing with it. So clearly it was something that he was, you know, he was not catatonic, you know, alone in his room, but he was clearly like, yeah, this is not, I'm not in a good headspace, but uh, let's talk about my new movie, <laughs> you know, and, and 
that, but I, it was interesting when I read that though, for some reason that didn't actually change my enjoyment of Inside at all. So if anyone, like it, it didn't actually change how I watch it, even though I was like, oh, he was actually going through this. Anyway, like it didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't affect like it. Cause it's. So I think I have like a, a neat, neat bow question, which is, this is not and will not be the last thing to come out about or expressing depression and anxiety. So why did we lose our absolute mind about it as, as the internet? Why did the internet lose it over this particular expression of mental health or lack thereof? Um. Was it just really good? I, is that just the answer? It's just, it was, it was like, I, I think the answer is it was really good. I, I think the answer is really good. I think the answer is, I think part of the answer is that um, when you have restrictions on art, I think it can often produce really beautiful results. And there was a big, big restriction on this that was a choice by him so if if we're acknowledging that he didn't have to stay in that building the whole time right he could have gone out he he was with his, i mean in the podcast and in, in question you hear his dogs in the background it, he still sounds like he's bummed out it's not, it's not like his dogs are like great guys i'm actually just super happy my dog just barked like he's still like his dogs are in the background so clearly he even was doing other stuff outside of it so he made a choice to frame it as him being isolated in this and i think it represents his mind and i think that that so I mentioned that because part of the restriction was something that the government was placing on us in the, the pandemic, but it was also, he put a big restriction on himself. He put a big limit on himself where it all has to be filmed in this room. That was a big constraint. And I think art really flourishes from restraints and having restrictions. I think that already made it a lot stronger. Uh, and then I think it also, it's just beautiful, but I think it also just, um, it tapped into, I mean, uh, for, for me personally, it was because I, this is somebody who I've, we've literally seen him grow up. There are videos of him online when he's 15, 15, making songs in his bedroom alone, playing piano, making funny songs. And then now 15 years later, there's videos of him in his bedroom alone, playing songs. It's, there's a cyclical nature of it. People like things that are kind of, seem, seem like they're a complete story. I don't know. For, for me, I, it's hard for me to divorce it from my experience with him as, as a whole, just being a fan for a long time. Uh, it just felt like here's somebody who I've watched grow up, watched struggle with his place with social media, watched struggle with his mental health, watched produce great art. And then now I'm seeing him in a similar place that I am, but he's able to take that kind of, <clears throat> he's able to turn like, okay, I'm feeling like shit. I slept until 11. I haven't showered. He's able to take that and make it a bop. And it, it's just intensely relatable also to my own experience. So I wonder if it's like, for me, at least it feels intensely relatable about my own experience with the internet and what I'm specifically going through, like growing up online, being online, and then being stuck in this room. Uh, that's it. I, I don't know. Also, I think, I think it would just be it's just great. <laughs> I think you nailed it. I think my answer to my question is, he's he's one of us he's one of us generationally speaking and also us more more intimately in the people with mental health issues community he's one of us and he's talented so 
he's like the class representative, basically. Um, he's, he's saying very much what we all agree on really well. And I think that's part of why it exploded. I think that's mostly why it exploded, actually. He's just mm -hmm. a, a person saying what we're thinking in a very wonderful, beautiful way. Mm -hmm. um, not to get into the specifics of it, and I think we can maybe then cut it if we wanted this. I, one thing I really noticed about white woman's Instagram, I, I, mean, I know we don't want to go through every single song, but I noticed that there's a big parallel with the way white woman's Instagram is set up to the whole show. This idea of like curating your life and then performing it for other people's consumption and, and in this sort of beautiful, well-lit way, but then you get these sort of stark reminders. This is a real person going through some real struggles, but even those are curated and staged and carefully edited for our consumption, but it still kind of hit you like a gut punch, like the middle of the song when it was like, when she starts talking about her mom. For some, I was so caught off guard when that first came on the song, I like cried. I'm not normally a big crier, but it, it was so, I was not prepared for that moment. And then I was like, oh my God, what, why? Uh, but it kind of hit you. But even though it was like, we've all seen posts like that. And so it was just, it was, I don't think she was being performative about her grief. I think it was a very real thing. Her, like she's real. I don't think it, we were meant to think they're being performative about their grief, but it, it is still staged for us and curated. And it, I almost wonder if you could then take that lens and then apply that to the whole special about it being like yeah, a series no, of very beautiful things. That makes a lot of sense also because it's almost like he's saying, because I've seen those posts in the wild, right? I've seen those posts in, in my life. And I always wonder, like, I feel that and I, and I want to reach out to them. And I'm also like, thank God I've never been in a position like that. But what compels you to express your grief for other people? And I think that that's, I think that that's maybe what he's saying. And maybe he's not answering, he's not answering the question. He's just saying like, this is a thing that we as a community, as a generation do is we, we do everything in front of everybody else, even our grief, especially our grief. Um, and that's probably also something that clicked is that there are questions without answers in the special. And maybe that's part of its stickiness and it's yeah. like, repetitiveness of your brain it's it's interesting too like one thing there was one part that I actually I remember watching and, and there was like a part like when he cries at the end when he's like oh I'm like I'm not well and he does this mm -hmm. and I remember being like oh like he's totally fake crying or whatever and that's fine like he's sort of performing that uh if you watch it in HD I'm really sorry if you guys didn't know this uh his face is covered in tears he's got tear tracks down his face he was crying for real whether or not he put that on there but the fact that it's like oh he was doing this sort of over dramatic crying but then if you like, look, you see like he, he was actually like sea dried tear tracks down his face. And it's like, was he actually crying for real? And it was like, it's going to be really great art. Let me set up my camera. Like, like, <laughs> which is something that I feel like sometimes we've done where we're just like, oh man, this is a really beautiful moment. Let me recreate this for my followers. And, and that was like a thing where I was like, okay, well, how deep does that performance go? Did you like, did you make yourself cry? And then and then we're like, yeah, let me capture on camera. Or were you just like crying and just like, man, I got to get this for my, my stick special. I like, think that even the best actors have to take themselves somewhere internally to produce that kind of crying. I think it's the difference between a high school production of Les Mis yeah. <laughs> and that kind of fake crying 
and an Oscar performance is that one person is talented and also because of their talent or part of their talent is they truly take themselves somewhere where they're crying. So they're crying on cue because they can pull up that emotion. So again, it's kind of the, at some point it was genuine. Yeah, but that, that's what I'm wondering though, with the, like, because I, I don't think he was actually crying in the moment, but it, you could see evidence that he had been. And so that's mm-hmm. why I was just like, did you just do like a million takes of this? Maybe he did just do like 20 takes and he was- Maybe he was crying from the exhaustion, you know? You- yeah, but that was when I was watching that, I was like, man, okay. I had just really convinced myself that this was just him sort of playing that. But I was like, but that's like, that's a hidden detail that you did not notice until I watched it on HD on my mom's big, big TV. And then I was like, okay. But it, it could still be performative, but I'm just saying like, it's sort of like, it it, it made me imagine again, like st- like having this really genuine sad moment and then being like, let me set up this for my followers. Like like in White Woman's Instagram, where like, of course she was genuinely upset about her mom. Of course she was genuinely having this actual sad moment. But then she also made that choice to be like, frame it and stage it and mm-hmm. post this for people to process, which is like, um, Oh, an interesting way to look at it. I think, um, yeah, I just remind, I guess I just wonder like what the truth is behind that. I think there's a lot of truth to what we perform. I think what we choose to put online is probably some element of truth anyways, like you were saying, it has to come from someplace. I think I would, this is, this is my conclusion is I, to some extent, wish that I could live in a world and be a person that could have consumed this without questioning him. Like just, just taken it and processed it and enjoyed the songs and felt the feelings and seen myself and related and not made it about him, even though it's very intrinsically about him. But I also don't see how I would have ever been able to do that. Does that I think does you're that meant to. Sick? I think it's, I, and I think that's something that's, like, uh, again, bringing it back to social media, this aspect that like our lives now are a product and it's the person that we're kind of buying or sort of consuming and chewing up each other's personal lives mm-hmm. as like content. It, I think it's, it's so personally coded. Of course, this has to be personally, of course, people are getting personally invested in what's going on with him because it's like, it's basically, he just opened up his social media feed, kind of almost, you know, it's almost yeah. like it. Uh, and yet he disappeared because he does this, right? So like, I'm not a longtime fan, but you are. And he told me he'll just drop something and then he'll disappear for a while. So I called him a, a creative cicada. I think he, 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 he creates something beautiful and then he'll just disappear for a few years and come back, you know, like after Make Happy, he's this comedian. He's kind of an edgy satire mm-hmm. comedian. Sneak up on his old stuff if you've not <laughs> seen it before. He's very kind of, you know, so he produces this kind of like edgy shock humor and then he disappears for a few years. We don't hear anything. And then he emerges with this beautiful sensitive movie about an eighth grade girl like going through her last week of school and everyone's like, what? Like, is this the same guy that wrote a song about killing yourself and and uh, like wrote the thought like it's I think that's an effort to do just I think that's an effort for us to just consume the thing and consume him as little as possible I mean we reached out for comment right Brie like you did your best you're you're like hey 
hi, can we ask you some questions? Um, and, and it's just not. Like, yeah. He hasn't, he's intentionally, he's press. he, he's done no press and no promo. And this, uh, some people have said too, it, it was released without a press kit. So normally you would get like a little bit of press kit with some statements about it. And, and he also, when he released it, um, he just was like, Hey, my new special's almost done. Hope you like it. And that was like the promo. And like everyone was tweet. like, Oh my gosh, it's been five years, bro. What's up? Like since he's made a special and then he made that. And then, and then like the day before he was like, it's dropping in two days. Enjoy. And that was it. That's like the extent of the promo. Now Netflix is promoting the hell out of it because it's won an Emmy or it's, it's nominated for an Emmy. Don't want to jinx it, but it's nominated for, for manifesting it. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe in the future. Uh, but now they're kind of promoting it, but it really had no promotion and he's done no interviews. Like I mentioned those interviews that he recorded during inside that's it. And those were back in January and, and he'd never mentioned what he was working on. So we have literally nothing from him about how he feels about the reception, how he, what he has to say about himself. If he feels that he was revealing, like he could come out now and say, yeah, I'm fine guys. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, like whatever, but not that it matters, but we just, we don't know any of his thoughts. So he's just like emerged from his well, (laughs) emerged from his thing, just dropped it on us. And he's now retreating again. And we may not see him for another two, three years. And he's going to, and he does something weird every time. Like, yeah, I have no idea what he's going to do now. Like he's done a movie. He's done this. Actually, he's doing the Sesame Street music next. He wrote all the, the, there's a new Sesame Street movie coming out and like next year. And he did all the music for that, which is bananas to me, but I think it's going to be brilliant. I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for the performance artistic cicada lifestyle. And I look forward to whatever we see in five years, I guess. Uh, yeah. All right, final thoughts? Um, we can't concisely talk about Inside. <laughs> yeah, just say like, watch Inside, Tuesdays at night. Yeah, that's Inside. I don't know if we really have any kind of recap. If we, you know, We're probably going to go through this and see if we made any sort of sense or any kind of cohesion. But... Probably not, but you know what? It's in the, it's in the theme. It's fine. The hot mm-hmm. mess. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's great. I think it's just a nice, uh, it's a beautiful piece of work. I think it's it's uh, I I think if I can conclude, we like to kind of have what is what's the obsession with inside. If we're cl- closing out here with the what we think the overarching kind of tie-in to this is is I think it was well made, well produced. God, we went this whole hour and didn't talk about the lighting. For goodness sake, we should do we should do some extra clips for this because I could go on and on about the freaking how amazing that lighting was. It was so well done, super well done, super every aspect of it was just uh, completely knocked it out of the park. And I think that people respond to good art. Yeah, and I think people respond to authenticity, even performative authenticity. You know, like th- that's why movie. Okay, that's that's why people watch movies and not documentaries. Like, I mean, people do watch documentaries, but it's not like everyone's just like, you know, I went and saw, uh, you know, I went and saw Moonlight, and uh, I don't know if those guys were like really going through that. Like, that's not why that movie is co- like connects to people. It's it's because it was a thing. And so I think it's you know, there's still authenticity in it, and I think that people are connecting to the authenticity whether or not they want to admit it or not, and that it it rings through it. Um, 
you know, it reminds me of, and not, again, I'm, I'm a, if anyone's watching this, I am like a Bo Burnham connoisseur. So I know all this stuff, but it reminds me of this, this interview that he was on. He's on this performance. You should look it up at the green room where it was like early on his career. He was like 19 or 20. And, and that he's with like Ray Romano, Judd Apatow, like a bunch of, uh, bunch of big name comics are all in this room with him and it's like him but it's because I think like John Apatow had seen him perform in a college or something and was like he was as a guest on that and so he plays a couple songs for them and they're obviously very impressed by him and he's they're sort of talking to him it's kind of interesting to see him early in his career but there was this part where he was trying to really talk up how how cagey he is as a person and and he was just saying yeah like I'm on stage like I don't really reveal who I am or anything like that I think I'm really whatever and one of the kind of older comics I forgot his name I'm so sorry uh the the older comic guy was was like, he kind of laughs at him and he's kind of taken aback by it. And he says, I'm, I'm so sorry. He's like, I'm going to give you a compliment here. You are such a like unique person that I don't know if you realize how much authenticity that you radiate and how much of you comes out even without you intending it. And it was like, I saw you perform and I didn't see a false moment. And I think, and it was just, and it, it was kind of weird just for him getting called out like that. He's like, I know you think that you're being this sort of character yeah. on stage but like we we can tell we can see through that it's so evident and it, and I think about that a lot with his stuff and I think that that is permeated through everything he does that no matter what he tries to do it's like his personality is coming out of it um and I think that's what people kind of connect to I have a shorter conclusion <laughs> but you're you're the connoisseur um I'm I a think- connoisseur I'm like a <laughs> Like the fine wine of yes, and the fine. I'm like, you know what it is. We're at like at a tasting. We're at like a tasting room. How many beverages do you have? Sour or something like that. Like we got through like a seltzer and a (laughs) tea, and I'm just parched. Um, I think that the obsession with the special is that it would have been perfectly fitting on any other platform. Um, but it was on Netflix, and that gave us generational validation. I think that this could have been on YouTube as a long form video, and this could have been individual songs on TikTok um, or, or wherever else. It could have been a, a, a very long thread on Twitter, but it was on Netflix and it had effort put into it. I mean, not that the other social medias don't, um, but I think the fact that it was on this platform and was seen more widely gave it and us, generationally speaking, a validation that drove us bananas. And I think that's why there is this intense obsession with it at the moment. It's bananas. I think that's it. That's it. Is that our conclusion? That's the obsession with it? I think so. Yeah, I think we both said good points. Thank you for listening to us ramble about you know, Bo Burnham's inside. Hopefully, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's great. It may not make you feel things. It may send you into a spiral. So just for fun, make sure that you're in a good mental place before watch you watch it. Caution. Yeah, I don't want to, don't play, uh, don't play games or mess around with your mental health. So uh, be, yeah. uh, you're in a good spot. Um, if you like listening to us ramble, you can subscribe to this, whatever you're watching this on. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Basic Stuff Mag. And uh, I think it's the Obsession Pod on there. And you can also find us at basicstuffmagazine.com. See ya.